Empty Set Entertainment presents Slay, created by Scott Sigler. This story is intended for mature audiences only. Listener discretion is advised. Hello and welcome to a Slay Q&A. This, of course, the story is over. We are putting this up so that you guys can watch it and enjoy it. This is the book right here that will be out February 14th, 2024 on Valentine's Day. Scott Sigler, Rob Otto, we're putting it out. And we have none other than Rob Otto in the house with us via Zoom to uh, to answer questions. And we're going to put this in the feed, too, because what a fun day this is going to be. All right. A, a Sigler, please get us out the first question. Yes, Tracy, I'm recording. Hit us, A. All righty. So the first question, um, we had a couple of questions right off the bat that have to do with co-writing. So uh, the first one from Craig Leiden is, why did you decide to co-write with, with Rob? How did you decide to co-write with Rob? And Rob, why did you want to do this with Scott? What an excellent question. Let's start out. I'll start out. The The reason we decided to co-write is because this was supposed to be an organic, an organic story. I kind of figured it out as I went along, which is something I've never been good at. And frankly, I've never done before, but we needed to keep content in the feed. So this started out as a very simple, innocent way to keep stuff coming in the podcast feed, which is important for our business, keep things going there. And I made it through maybe uh, nine, 10, 11 episodes. And already the story had gone off in 27 different directions. And I, I knew there was like, I can't keep track of it. I don't know where this is going. I sort of know how I want it to end, but I was, uh, it was, I was out of control. I was, I, and I almost lost it all. So I called the guy I know who knows story better than almost anyone else. I called my buddy Rob Otto and I said, Rob, can you help me out? I'm up against <laughs> it. I'm all pinched up. Can you help me out? And Rob, why don't you just tell him why you decided to write along with me? So it's really interesting. So um, three years ago, Scott, honestly, for years, Scott has said, Rob, I want to get together. You know, when we're when you and I are together, and really you and I and the whole gang of buds that we grew up in high school, the one-liners are flowing and we all laugh so hard. It's like, I want to figure out how to capture that on paper in one of my projects. And for years, we talked about that. And so he and I started collaborating on what became our first movie script years ago. It wasn't organic and it didn't feel right until we got together and did our first one week writing, you know, uh, escape. I went out to San Diego with A and Scott and we essentially wrote the entire movie script and working together. There's a couple of things that we discovered. One, we bounce ideas off each other very well. Um, personal feelings don't get involved when something is a shit idea. We tell the other one that is a shit <laughs> idea. But we'll but we'll still talk it out and we'll see if it works. But then the other one's always proven right that it was indeed a shit idea. But um, and what we also found out was that I mean, you listen. You guys have read Scott stuff. You've listened to it. You've you've seen it. He can get girthy, and I'm not just talking about the waist down. So. He also needed somebody that could kind of rein him in and focus and not let him go off in 27 directions. That's exactly what happened. We knew we wanted our movie script to be a maximum of 90 pages, and we got pretty close to that. Yeah. Um, So when he started feeling this one going off the rails, he needed somebody to focus it in, and that's when he asked me. And that was just an opportunity. It literally started out 
it was about the 17th. So you were like 17 weeks in, Scott, mm-hmm. by the time you sent me the script to date and just like, what do we need to recall? What makes sense? What doesn't? And how do we get this is kind of the ending you were thinking of. How do we get everything there? Mm-hmm. And it started out with me just tossing some ideas around. And then this turned into our our third writer's retreat that we just did, you know, this yeah. summer up in Sheboygan, Michigan. And that's when everything came together. And um, yeah, as to why I would do it, one, um, I'm a glutton for punishment. No, just just playing. Um, I got to tell you, to see that book cover with both of our names on it is uh, it's it makes me proud. It's, yeah. uh, it's it's really cool that we were able to collaborate on something. So that's why that's why I did it because we've collaborated on stuff inside our heads for forty years now. <laughs> yes, this is something that is finally outside of our heads. <laughs> <laughs> it is, uh, you know, just just to see something. I'm still tweaking the camera as we go here. Just to see something that Rob and I did uh, together. We have been. Through through role playing and just hanging out as friends, we have literally been telling stories together for thirty five years, somewhere in that in mm-hmm. that ballpark. And uh, this is this one is absolutely special. Every time I see this cover and our names are on it together, I am borderline mm-hmm. verklempt. But I don't get verklempt because I'm made of iron. That's mm. my niece. He doesn't me. get verklempt. He makes other people verklempt. <laughs> Yes, I do. Yes, I make other people verklempt. All right, so that is the answer to that question. Uh, A, let's move on to the next question, please. Okie doke. So the next question comes, uh, actually, just in this chat, Paul Inman uh, added a couple. Uh, The first one is, was there an alive reference in Slay? Um, One sec. A, we're getting a little bit of echo on Rob's audio and that might be coming from your side. So mute your mic. Did you mute your mic through that last question? I did yes, mute my did. mic, but I can't, I also am listening to the story because I can't, I can't. Oh, let's take that. a look over here. Hold on. I can mute you. Yeah. I'll just mute you at this point. All right. Uh, no offense, wife of mine, but I am muting you. Here we go. Boom. Oh my. Wait. Repeat, so repeat again, question. that question was, was there an alive reference in Slay? Uh, you know, I, maybe (laughs) I was writing most of this. I wrote, uh, just flying by the seat of my pants. Absolutely. And, um, Rob talk a little, the the only way the video goes is to get, all right, there we go. Gotcha. So So there, there, there may have been a live reference. I don't remember. Rob, do you remember any live references in the book? I, I certainly don't remember us ever having a conversation about making a reference. So if there was an alive reference in there, it was just a happy accident. Okay. Um, it doesn't mean that we won't go back and find it, Paul, and then make it a huge <laughs> reference for the next four Slay books. <laughs> That's a fact. Sometimes these happy accidents, we go back. I've told you this guy, you guys this a million times. You're like, hey, what'd you, what is this going to happen in the story? I'm like... As a matter of fact, it is going to happen in the story. I'm glad I thought of it, and you appreciate my genius. Scott, uh, does that not go back to, like, our game mastering days? Oh, like, 100%. when we used to role play, you know, Dungeons & Dragons and doing superheroes and champions and stuff. Mm-hmm. I know myself. We Essentially, Scott and I ran two concurrent campaigns at the same time that would sometimes cross over. 
some of the best things we ever did went absolutely not according to the plan. There was not, I could lead all of you player characters down a, a primrose path of exactly where I wanted you to go. Yep. And God damn it, none of you would do it. And you'd go talk to the guy in the corner instead, and it would go off in a direction where I just made it up pulling crap out of my ass. And we look back and, and the best would be like, wow, Rob, that was really good. I'm like, yeah, that's exactly how I planned it to go. Exactly right. So, but I, I think, your writing comes from that same idea of letting the characters lead you where they want to yeah, go. It's very, it's very not, not control them. It's very, it's very similar. I, I've talked for those of you who've been uh, watching, listening to myself for a long time, reading myself for a long time and watching the various, uh, you know, Sigrun place and all this stuff and all the interviews. I have to talk about how I create these incredibly detailed outlines, sometimes 70 pages worth of single spaced outline. And then 10 pages into the actual book, one of the characters is like, nah, I'm not going in the haunted house. That's, <laughs> that's the example I use all the time. And as soon as that, as soon as we're as soon as that happens, that's when I have to go back and reinvent everything. All right. Take a little, one moment here, everybody. We are getting echo from Rob and echo from a small echo I can't hear it on my end, so there's something else going on. So Rob and A, just talk, try and talk a little bit slower so everybody can hear what you say. Apparently, it's a minor echo. We'll do the best that we can with it. Um, it might be something with Zoom. That's a fact. So I, I, this echo will not be here on the replay, though, because what I'm hearing is what goes to tape. So we'll get that figured out. And I'll see if yeah. I can tweak it, uh, Scott, tweak it on Zoom. I'm, I'm not hearing any echo on my end either. Okay. I did just turn my headphones down, maybe... My 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 microphone was picking up my headphones a little. I think possibly. I think it's a it's a restream Zoom thing because I'm not hearing an okay. echo from you. All right, so let me get a unmuted here and oh, she unmuted herself. Oh my God, she can just unmute herself. What kind of world are we living whoa. in? Whoa, go ahead. A. So there's a second question from Paul, which is what? Uh, one more time, spoilers, everybody. What would have happened if Dragon went back to dog form when captured? Or while captured? Uh, well, okay. So if, what would have happened if Dragon had gone back to dog form while captured? Uh, you know what? Go fuck yourself, because she would have been able to get out of the net probably pretty easy. So, no, Rob, do you no, have, can you tell no. Paul to go fuck himself at all? At all? It's a it's a magic thread net. It obviously the net would have shrunk with whatever it was keeping captive. Yeah. So nice try, Forex, Paul. <laughs> if that's your real name, <laughs> Paul. <Yeah. laughs> In the climate ravaged world of 2072, the city of Pura stands as a miraculous green haven. Pura is a geoengineered paradise that protects its fortunate residents from the global catastrophes of heat domes, fires, floods, and droughts. In a time when the world outside is unsafe, it's vital for Pura's existence that people rally behind the purpose of the city, and Demetria Lopez, head of the city's public relations, tirelessly promotes its idyllic image. But when she stumbles on a dark secret that, if exposed, would be the downfall of Pura's existence, she must decide who and what she's willing to protect. From Wondery, the makers of Academy and Dr. Death, The Last City stars actors Ray Seahorn, Jeannie Tirado, and Maury Sterling. Follow The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus.
Okay. Hey, next question. Okay. So I'll unmute myself or you'll unmute me. You are doing a great job at muting, unmuting yourself. So let's just keep doing that because I'll forget. All right. Um, so Dot Silver asked, how exactly does one write a book with a writing partner? Do you each write a specific character? Do you swap out each chapter or do you write the whole thing together or something else? Well, um, let's see. Let's go back to me, my main here. And then as soon as Rob talks, he'll pop, pop back on the screen. The way this book works is Rob and I come up with the whole plot and the structure and hammer out all of the plot beats and, and do all of that work. Uh, and then once we have that, I go through and I write the actual chapters and then Rob reviews the chapters and makes editorial notes or finds any, uh, any continuity errors, continuity breaks. And also the other thing Rob does that's really important is Rob knows the story all the way through book five. We already have book fives end planned out and you guys are going to get tired of hearing me say how fucking baller five is going to be. <laughs> the end of five is just crazy. So that, that is, that is the other part. Now I, I can keep a lot of stuff in my head, um, but not everything in my head. And Rob has a much better memory than I do for kind of seeing the big picture of everything. What is that about right, Rob? Yeah. And, and honestly, dot it's, it has changed on the different projects that we have done. Mm -hmm. Um, the screenplay we did and the, um, well, I guess it was the second screenplay that is becoming a novel. Um, I would go ahead and write some sections and see where they would fit in with what Scott was writing. Um, you know, sometimes he would do the first pass. I would come in and do a pass and it would go back and forth, thus changing. This one was primarily Scott writing um, mm -hmm. after we put the structure together and then me going through and making sure that everything is clicking and it's telling the tale and setting up some things that we want set up, um, you know, without screwing up any of the details going on. So honestly, each project has been a little bit different the way we've done it, uh, with Slay being primarily Scott writing and then me coming in and not really doing a second pass as much, doing kind of a, a continuity uh, overview to make sure it's still moving in the right direction. A great question just came in from the chat room. Uh, Tracy Shank asks, how am I going to get Rob's autograph on the book if he lives up north? So this first time I've thought about what we will do is probably do some kind of pre-order no numbers no nothing fancy maybe we'll see when we figure that out. we'll probably try and work with mysterious galaxy in san diego so we'll just ship rob a fuck ton of books or probably do what a a is talking we'll have a answer this in a second one of the things we're working on is these they're called tipping pages so it's just it's a piece of paper with sticky on the back uh rob signs those sends those to me i sign them they actually go in the books and then they will ship out from the mysterious galaxy or from here a does that sound about right uh, yeah, so far we discussed three options. One is uh, somehow transfer, like getting books back and forth. Another one is the tip-in page that Scott mentioned. A third one, oh, there's four. A third one would just be book plates, uh, that they both sign book plates, which is similar to a tip-in, but you just order the book plate and in it so that we have your address and it's, it's less expensive. And the fourth, and my favorite option, is fly Rob out to San Diego for the signing. Oh, that's way that's, better. My, that's, that's my book. Much better idea. <laughs> Much better idea. Um, the, the fifth option, and probably cheaper, um, shipping Rob via UPS to San Diego. Uh, just just ask him to poke a couple holes in the box. We'll, we'll be good. Uh, you know what? And 4X in the chat room has a great, great idea if we're still doing this, like Rob and Scott go on tour together. That would be 
a home run if we can line up a few cities where we can go do tour stops together, which we did on the rookie tour, but this will be even better. Yeah, I'm going to tell you the path of destruction that would be left behind <laughs> us would be kind of biblical, and uh, people would blame it all on global warming. It just would not. I don't know. That's what, we'll have to discuss that one, Scotty. Yeah, uh, I'm going to answer a real quick question. We'll go back to A. Timothy Clark in the chat room asks, is the sex gnome not-so-tiny Tim based on all those 8 by 10 color glossy photos a certain person sent you? Tim, no comment. Uh, yeah, but uh, you know what? Clearly, you are blessed. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> you are blessed. All right. Hey, take it away. All right. Uh, next question comes from Adelu Adebayo. And uh, I'm just going to read this whole thing because it's lovely. He, he says, all right, so this whole fantasy layer you've added on top or of or maybe under the Sigliverse feels like a few things are connected now that weren't before. I've got two questions that have been itching in my brain. One, okay, so filaments. These are harvested from emotions, right? Mm -hmm. To me, that sounds a whole lot like the energy coming up and out of prayers in Sacred Cow. For any of you who don't know, Sacred Cow is a short story of Scott's. Uh, so are the prayers that get focused up on top of the steeples in the Sacred Cow filaments? And are those creatures up in the sky eating thread work? Or maybe even harvesting thread work? I mean, I really, really hope so, because that's just plain cool. Uh, I will have to say, um, boy, am I glad I had that idea, because that's, <laughs> that's one of the best ideas I've ever had. So I appreciate that you noticed that idea. So the, there you go. This is how the sausage gets made, you guys. <laughs> I remember all those conversations we had about the sacred cow and the creatures and the yeah the brain itch, which honestly you should probably see a doctor for that. Um, yeah, obviously. I mean, obviously. Good catch. Uh, we've got hold on. We got we got a right winger <laughs> throwing shit around. A block user on Facebook. Good day. Good day, Gabarox Vletermix. V-L-E-T-R-M-X. I mean, they don't even try anymore to fucking come up with night block using Facebook. Uh, uh, probably got, you probably got drawn in here because there I said go. something about climate change. Just jumping on lives, just jumping on, jumping on live streams, talking about stuff. Uh, crazy thing happened today. I talked about my ADHD yesterday. Um, the fact that I took 98 minutes exactly, I, I went back and figured it out, to come up with the three colors for the Lumencia Leopards football team in Slay. So it's actually germane to the conversation. And that should have taken 15 minutes. What are the colors of the Lumencia Leopards? Which didn't matter because the fucking colors aren't mentioned in book one at all. I could have made a note, pushed that off, but over an hour and a half to figure out what the three colors for the Leopards are, I have the Pantone codes for all three colors, and I've added those Pantone codes to Siglerpedia, so uh, you guys will be able to eventually see what the Lumencia Leopards uniforms are. But Rob will appreciate this. It couldn't just be any colors. It can't be red, because there's a bunch of mm -hmm. teams who are red. So uh, the colors are Jet Gray, Ash Gray, and Emerald. Rob, uh, I figured you would appreciate being able to have a NFL uniform color set that is not common. It doesn't look like the Panthers or the Jaguars. That's all I'm saying. I think it, uh, I think it sounds sounds lovely. And now if you could take the next 98 minutes to figure out uh, what their alternate jersey colors are, <laughs> that would be great. 
Ace <laughs> just shaking her head. <laughs> oh, dude, I was like, I was fucking in corn silk, and there was some yellow color. Fucking, and like it just went. And also, I posted this on the thing too. I had, I think it was forty three tabs open when I started closing the tabs. I had forty three tabs open so that I could figure out what the fucking three colors were for the Lumensia Leopards that didn't conflict or copy an NFL team. And so, it didn't have anything to do with what it was you were working on immediately that needed to be done, correct? Nope. It was in the middle of finishing yeah. up notes for the final draft to send off to nice. Big John Vizcar and Rob, and there you go. That's uh, that's a uh, oh Paul Inman. Paul, I'm sorry. Paul Inman's a purist. Paul Inman says that's one color too many. He's a two color guy. <laughs> Scott? Hey Scott. Yes, ma'am. Look at the camera. You're looking at you're looking at the production map, but that's not where your camera's pointed. Maybe you have to switch it on, on OBS. All right. I think, no, I'm a... Okay, hold on. Let's go back to... Uh, hey, am main. I looking at my camera properly? Is that, uh, hey, am I, am I now looking right? at... Yeah, you just did for a second. I think it's on my, my monitor. You have to switch to your camera, the main one. Yes, hold on. I am literally on... I'm looking right at the main monitor. And then if I turn okay, on then, ACAM, what is this? Am I looking at it now? Nope. ACAM was looking... I think this is a. Are you watching? You are you watching Zoom or the stream? Oh, I'm watching Zoom. So yeah. sorry. That's okay. Gotcha, babe. Thanks for thanks for uh, thanks for jumping in there. That was very helpful. Thanks. Can I ask the second question? Yes, hit it. Right. All right. The second question uh, um, from Adelu Adabayu is: During the chase when Billy and Lincoln were escaping the bounty hunters, the transits they used to teleport to and from the patchwork had a real quote, sufficiently advanced technology indistinguishable from magic, end quote, feel to it. The wave of sickness Billy felt going into and out of the transit totems sounded a whole lot like the shimmer when ships punch in and out. Are transits just magical punch points? Is that blank, bright slash dark mix between locations punch space? Maybe. <laughs> I don't remember anyone handing him a, a a golden trash can to puke into. So yeah, good point. Uh, that, also, <laughs> I, I'm just going to say this: I don't want to give any spoilers at this point. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> I have learned as my career has progressed, a couple of two very important two very important points. Number one is uh, the the more amorphous and mysterious you make something and don't define it, the more uh, enjoyable that is by everybody because they think they've kind of figured things out and they get to enjoy their own little version of story and that it makes people happy. The other thing I figured out is when someone asks you if you are a god, you say yes. So that that's, <laughs> that's where we go. Oh, from can, can we take a minute to just applaud at a bayou for the, the <laughs> detail of how they are reading your work, Scott, and digging yeah. in very deeply? <laughs> I am impressed. Well done. Well done. Yeah, that's a that's a top tier question. I love it. Right there. I love it. All right, hey, hit me. So, uh, John Viscara just has the one question, which is: Is there any overlap between the Hunter Hunterson world and the Lincoln Franks world? Uh, I will say to answer that question, I will say um, A has had to listen to me complain about this because we we I'm going to say we came up with about twenty ideas for what we could do that I could write just on Friday, live streaming on Wednesday, pod, and take that audio podcast on Sunday. And there were two particular properties 
that a frankly just said just put her foot down so we're not we're not doing those two because I think those two are going to be very big very big hits and you want to do those two correctly uh, we're not going to talk about what those are so she sort of blacklisted those we went through a bunch of other ideas and um wound up with Slay, which is something I've been pitching as a TV series in Hollywood for probably 10 to 15 years. I got a whole series Bible. Rob had to read the whole series Bible to get get in on this, you know, to understand what my vision was, where to go with it. A lot of which now is no longer applicable because what Rob and I came up with is just flat out better. But um, once I was about five episodes in and things were rolling, I was like, are you fucking kidding me? This is very similar vibe to Hunter Hunterson Sons. Why didn't I just continue with Hunter Hunterson and Sons? And frankly, I don't have an answer. I think A and I just missed that. Very happy with how Slay turned out. I'm super thrilled I got to write this with Rob, and I think it's a it's really good. Is it better than Hunter Hunterson Sons if Rob and I had done the same thing? Probably they're probably about equal. I'd say they're probably about equal. So that's really the answer. Hunter Hunterson Sons is lighthearted, supernatural, but it's more like um that is more of a family show. Uh, what is the, what is the TV show with the guy from, uh, married with children with Sophia Vergara? Modern family. Modern family. Yeah. A hundred Hunterson is Ghostbusters meets modern family and Slay is vastly different. You know, it's like to live and die in LA meets Letterkenny meets the Mandalorian. So it's just much more graphic and much, there's a lot more dirty humor, poo and pee humor and all, all kinds of just crazy pop culture references. So I'm, I don't have an answer to that question. I think we just, I think we whiffed and wound up two things that were close to each other, but I'm super happy with the way Slay turned out. But when Lincoln Franks uh, crosses over and meets Hunter Hunterson and Sons, well, you can say that you knew it was going to happen first. Congratulations. Well, 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 now that with uh, Shakedown coming out and we're getting into alternate planes of reality, all things are possible, man. All things are possible. Right. All things are possible. Uh, weird says, I weird says, for what it's worth, I found it easier to identify with the Slay main characters than the Hunter Hunterson and Sons characters, which I get. I mean, you know, the family family content and writing the nuclear family or something akin to that, it appeals to a certain demographic. But something like Slay, which is much more uh, lone wolf with their friends and trying to find your own family it definitely has a different feel. And so many of the people watching right now, uh, watching this right now, the people in the chat room, the people reading my stuff, a, a huge amount of those people have found their own family. And it's not their birth family. They've found the people they love and care for and will do so all their life. So I think that's why Slay is going to resonate a little bit better. Hunter Hunterson and Sons is a better pitch to a network by far. Slay is going to appeal to a lot more people. And that's not necessarily mean people from broken homes. It's like, you some of some of your family, if you have family, you don't really have that 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 click. You have a deep connection, but you don't have that. You can't hang out in a room for eight hours and laugh your ass off all the time. Whereas when it's a family that you found, those are people that that identify with you a lot better. Rob, do you have any thoughts on that? No, I I, I like the way you put it. And basically, hey, around for each other for eight hours in a room, laughing our asses off is exactly what every day on uh, writing junket with Scott Sigler is like. So that was a that was a real look inside of what our days turn into. Although eight hours would be a short day for us, Scott. Um, but uh, yeah, it's you, you you find your tribe. You love your family, but 
you live for your tribe. And mm-hmm. that's that's essentially what this has turned into. But even, you know, as we saw in Slay, even with all the problems that Link has with his brother and sister and father, when it came down to it, family was still there to back up family mm-hmm. along with the tribe. So you really got to see both sides of that. Yeah, we don't get along, but nothing better come between us. You know, I can I, I can kick up. your ass and make fun of you, but somebody else better not try to do that because exactly. they're going to be in trouble. A uh, hundred experience points to Kyle Jacobson in the chat room, who said, "Feels like the professional movie, just me." No, Kyle, I will say the original concept of Slay was that I was going to have one scene from a famous action adventure movie and rewrite it. So that basically Lincoln was doing that particular scene, not as a ripoff thing, but as a way to pay homage to all these wonderful, wonderful movies that Rob and I grew up with. So that, you know, like the opening scene of The Professional was copped for the opening scene of Slay in my Hollywood pitch. And that was one of the angles is like, we're going to go, we're going to go back to like 40s noir we're going to go all the way to 2010s and just grab different scenes and put lincoln sort of in those with the different monsters and different ne'er-do-wells and make it a celebration of the kind of movies that uh that that influence slay that's why magda's such a movie buff that's why billy's such a movie buff that's why even lincoln is dropping movie dialogue that i don't specify this is a line from a movie that rob and i love so yeah it's 100 this whole show is a love letter to the action adventure movies of the 80s and 90s just with a big supernatural skin put over the top of it and scott even and i didn't even notice this when scott was putting together the um the mock-ups for the cover um, Scott, do you want to tell them the font that you used as uh, part of the, the cover? <laughs> we were uh, we were tr- we were using the Lethal Weapon font for the cover. <laughs> so the yeah. under the underline. So it's going to be Slay, and then Book Two will have like a big spray paint or blood splash. Two, which was very common, you know, in eighties, nineties movies. But the the line underneath the headline, which you guys haven't seen yet, it's the Lethal Weapon font. So there you yeah. go. And I didn't even catch that. Scott's like, did you see what font I used? And I was like. Sans serif? I don't know. Uh, All right. We'll get back to you one second. Just there's another question here. Preposterous Superbottom says, also, I think Slay sounds more like a story you've written to amuse yourself and your friends rather than just a whole ass crafted story. Not disparaging either, just sort of a relaxed style of storytelling. And that is uh, absolutely right. This is some of the Mm -hmm. most the most fun I've had writing a story for for many many years i had a lot of fun writing shakedown but shakedown's brutal i actually did a uh a trigger warning list it's a page and a half for uh for shakedown it's crazy how many potentially disturbing things are in that for various people who've had various things happen to them there's none of that in slay if it's in there it's it's vastly much more lighthearted and you're it's it's just flat out it's a fun thing to read it's a fun thing to write bad things are still gonna happen to good people but it's super fun rob do you think this is a fun story i think there's oh absolutely it is and that's um and i think part of it is because the way that you wrote it right i yeah. mean you you only had a few hours over the course of a week to write each chapter and so it, it had to come, you know, not not from deep down in that dark FDO place that none of us ever want to visit, but it had to come more from the top of your head, which is mostly when I say let's get together and screw around with each other and do a lot of movie quotes. And that's that's kind of where this book seemed to come from, more off the surface, because you had that weekly deadline to get it ready to uh, to to yep. get out there in audio form. And I think uh, 
that's very astute. And that, of, that, the, and of, of setting your hippopotamus. When it, when I had to get content out, I relied on the stuff that I know. And what I know is yep. is 80s, 90s, knots movies. A, and uh, poo-poo and pee-pee jokes. I do know a lot about poo-poo and pee-pee jokes. <laughs> very much. Also a lot about genitalia jokes, which we're not going to go into right now because sometimes my beloved spouse is like, can you just dial back the amount of genitalia jokes that are going into our live stream? Yeah, Scott, if maybe you could just give like a little penis joke. That would be that would be a good idea. No, A's okay. A needs to unmute and ask a question now, Scott. Go for it. While you and I, while you and I are laughing like twelve year olds. Which is fine, right? except I have like seventy five questions and yeah. yeah. Scott, stop asking the questions, Scott. Lightning round. I will say. Very quickly, Paul Inman asked a question in the Facebook chat room about how many words is this season coming in at, and the answer is about 100K. 109,918. There you go. Uh, So going back to the questions, I have a question from Daryl Harris who says, you have written a story from the point of view of the alien with failings. Have you considered writing a horror story from a dog's point of view? Perhaps dragon. Hold on, I'm telling Rob, I'm literally telling guys what I'm typing Rob now. Rob, let's keep our answers short. Um, okay. No, I have not. And we're, Dragon is a character as he, as he stands, she stands right now is not going to, there's not enough there to support a full length novel, possibly a fun short story. There's your answer. Go ahead, Okay, no, you don't have to be that quiet. I'm just saying I have a bunch of questions left. Okay. Uh, from Ian Siegel, he says, uh, um, as uh, persuade, damn, what a fun ride this was. Was the magic slash thread system all worked out before writing started, or did it evolve as the experiment unfolded? I'd probably know if I attended all the live re- reads, but it seems I'm always busy. Uh, I'll take this one, Rob. Um, there yeah. is a gentleman named Brandon Sanderson who is a absolutely lovely human being and a v- monstrously successful, popular author who entertains millions and millions of people. And uh, Brandon Sanderson is well known for his very meticulous magic systems. So he doesn't use physics or science, but when he gives you a magic system, all of the rules are clearly in place and he writes within those rules. And I forget the terminology for that. That is a, a we'll call it for now, a well-defined magic system. And then there is a more loose magic system, which the vast majority of supernatural fiction uses sort of like, hey, you know what? There's magic. Don't worry about it too much. If you think about it too much, it'll ruin the story. So this is much more. I have I have I have the the filaments system. Sometimes filaments are called threads, which then gets developed up the line into meshwork. So all of that stuff is there. There will be more explanation. There will be more rules applied down the line, but not a whole lot of rules because uh Rob one of Rob and I's big influences for this series is the MCU, the Marvel universe. And those guys don't give two wet shits about consistency of powers. They change within a movie. They change movie to movie. It's all over the place. They never explain anything. And it's the most popular fiction in the world right now. So I think it's going to be okay. Rob, do you have a thought on that? Cause Rob's a huge Marvel guy. Yeah. I think what will happen though is as rules are presented as rules, we will not break those rules. 
But until a rule is written, we can say, well, we never said we couldn't do it this way. So now let's do it that way. And that's a new rule that will now be part of what yeah. we do. So but Scott came up with the whole threads and filaments. And I think it was absolute damn genius. Scott, it was. Uh, Thank you. It was it's such a good idea. And it works so well. And we're going to roll into a kills question here from the chat room. Uh, we're going to need a deep dive, a lore dump on the Bastion and the best year at some point. Yeah, Rob and I already have that covered. You're going to get the whole background of the Bastion. You're going to find out all about how they came to be, why they're doing what they're doing now, where that is going, what it replaced, which is a huge part of the series. And and that that will establish a little bit more of the rules and a little bit more of the lore. But uh, I'm not even jo- I'm not even saying this tongue in cheek. I'm glad we had that idea because it's some sick ass shit. You guys are going to dig it. Yeah, we got four books to fill, so trust me, there will be some backstory. <laughs> All right, AK, hit me. Uh, so, Sean, uh, I would, I would, I specifically would like to hear uh, Rob's answer on this as okay. well, um, because you got how the writing process happened. But the question that Sean asked, Sean Dyer asked, is. Is the title for this, sorry, the title for this story was established right at the outset. If you were to give it a new title at the end, would you stick with Slay or pick something else? Rob, you go first. Yeah, thanks, eh? Um, I mean, I gotta tell you, I do like the, the simplicity, and then each chapter will have a subtitle. Right. And so, you know, it's becoming part of the Slay universe with each chapter going on. But if I were able to reset this, um, I would call it not justified with magic. That, that's what I would call uh, this, this series. There you go, Scott. After you. Uh, I would. No, I love the title. It's great. I it, with all the. With all the properties I launch, all the things I do, I do a lot of searching. So I'll go to Amazon, and if I come up, I'm like, this is a great title. What if it was like, The Assistant of the Magician? Great. I love it. It's going to be huge. I go look, and there's four different series with that title. We don't use that title. So there's only, surprisingly, two or three things on Amazon with the actual Slay title. And one of them revolves around the, it's fiction about the fashion industry. Another one is kind of a LGBTQ-centric kind of story. Um, but also sort of about style and culture and things like that. There are hundreds of blank slayer, slayer blank, but very mm-hmm. few actual slay. And being able to to get, and this goes into the 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 business side of things. If let's see if we can get go back to Maine real quick so we get a little slight bigger look at this. What's really important right now in the business is when you have a book cover, the main title. The author names need to be legible when it is tiny, 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 like very down, down. Let's see if I can get this. Bear with me, A and Rob. Hold on a second. Yeah, but think about like when you're searching for something on Amazon and it says you may also like this. Think about how tiny those images are on your computer or on your phone. Rob has to jump out. Rob can't see this, but I've adjusted it down to about the size you might see it on an Amazon page. And you can read Slay Clears a Bell. You can see that the S is a dollar sign. So I think I'm quite pre- I'm really proud of this title. I'm really proud of this whole franchise that Rob and I are launching. It's very clear to me what this is about. It's Slay. There's a dollar sign on it. You know right off the bat, if you're any kind of a geek, any kind of a genre fan, you know 
oh, this is about people who kill monsters for money. It just jumps off the page. And then uh, Rob's name and my name are big enough that they are visible because I have enough of readership now that if people see my name, they'll just buy it in the drop of a hat. So yes, they might see it in the metadata and the listing, but the bottom line is if they see it on the cover, they're going to at least click on it and see what the story is about. And then I think I, I will have them buy the short and curlies and take money out of their wallet. That is the it also helps I love that it. Neither, neither one of our names is like Antonius Andropolis Ginopolopolopolis. Listen, so that, yeah. The fact that we have eight and nine letters in our name, that, that also that helps. helps. That helps. Trust me, if Rob was either Greek or Hispanic, I would be like, yeah, change name, bro. You need a pen name. Sorry. Not to be We're gonna have to truncate that, bro. Truncate that shit. All right, just AK. Call, just call me Bob. <laughs> We're ready for the next one, eh? Marion Miller asked, was Billy supposed to die off early? Fuck you, Marianne Miller. Fuck off. Way to go, Marianne Miller. Way to go, Marianne Miller. <laughs> Do I remember you saying that? Was it a different character? And if so. Why did that change? Uh, okay, I'll take this one. Uh, yeah, motherfucker was supposed to, he was just there. The whole purpose of Billy, mm -hmm. this is why I brought Rob in, you guys. The whole purpose of Billy was so that I could have a point of view scene to convey what a dangerous, efficient guy Lincoln was when you're not in Lincoln's head. I feel sometimes very important. If you want to, if, if I want the reader to understand, to get a vibe and a feel for how lethal these people are, if you're in that person's head, they sort of come across like Superman. Like I'm not, I targeted him and I shot him and I did this and then I, this guy died. It just doesn't, it doesn't have the same feel. You substitute in a 19, 20, 20, 21 year old who's tried to get into crime just to pay for college and just wants to do this one gig and get the fuck out. And then people are getting slaughtered all over him. And then from his view, you get to see how Lincoln moves, how Lincoln operates, how he works in the shadows, how the great cloak works, all that shit. So that's all Billy was. Billy was just a conduit to get your initial, the, the first impression is the most important impression, to get your first impression of Lincoln. So, you know, this is a, this is a fucking player. And then you get into all of Lincoln's weaknesses later on. But first look, that is not someone you want to be, you want to be screwing with. And then shit blew up on my blew up on me and then all of a sudden fucking billy's a fucking major character and i had to fucking i had to i had to call rob and have him bail my ass out on the story and i will point out before we came up with the end and what is leading in you know that that last word in the epilogue and what is leading in number two all that essentially came from about you know every hour or two i'd say well, all right, is this where we're going to kill off Billy? And Scott's be like, no, I still need Billy for this. I'm like, okay, oh, now this chapter, this is where we're going to kill off Billy. Well, no, Billy needs to survive this because I need him for this. And then by the end, it just became, well, turns out this book is as much about Billy as it is about Lincoln's yep. ranks. And then all of a sudden, we had two main characters. And I will tell you, that leads into the grandma moment, which still gives me goosebumps. The way that that epilogue, that one word ending to the epilogue just... I don't even remember. This is the best part about working with Scott. A lot of these ideas, we cannot remember whose idea it was, mm -hmm. right? It came so organically through our conversations. But one of us at some point just said, you know what the last word should be? Should be Billy saying, Grandma? And we were like, oh! And it's just like freaking awesome. And that led us to everything that you saw. It was a, it was a very linear path after that. And man, I loved it. 
Loved it, loved it, loved it. It was uh, it was a huge, uh, huge compliment to the skills I've developed, skills I've developed over the past few years. I lit. Rob and I went over this in Sheboygan for a week. We knew what the last mm-hmm. line of it was, and mm-hmm. then I texted Rob as I'm writing him like, should it, you know, should we modify it this way? Modify it this way? He's like, you know what, just. Go ahead and do it the way you, you thought about it ahead of time. And then I sent it to Rob. So Rob already knew what the last line was yeah. going to be. And he still got fucking ch- chills reading I, it. I got, I got like, like emotional. <laughs> like, like as, as it was, was coming up, up, I was all gearing up. And then he says it. And I was just like, oh, really good to say, Grandpa. And it just changed the whole world. Ah, oh, freaking awesome. <laughs> so we think we think we got uh, lightning in a bottle with Billy. That the end. The end result is. You know, once you start writing stuff, even though I usually write detailed outlines, I didn't, but I sort of knew where the story was going. Turns out I didn't. Once you start writing things and characters like Billy or Pookie Chang, they just add, they just take over. And, and you are, you are sort of, as an author, you're sort of along for the ride. And then you have to be like, this is, this character is awesome. I love this character. I know everybody else is going to love this character. How do I get a great story out of this character? And you motherfuckers don't even know. Fucking Billy's arc. <laughs> Billy's arc is, is quite frankly, the coolest shit I've ever done. And I and Rob will ever do. Frankly, we've already set, we've already set the, the bar, Rob. We're never going to top it. Sorry. Sorry, now, it's over. I will point out, Marianne, that I still got four more books to try and kill that little beast son of a bitch. So let's, let's just see how this goes. That arc might get smaller every damn book. I'm just saying. All right, AK, hit us. Okay, that made me really... (laughs) Also, I will tell you guys, I'm going to promise you right now, remind me next next summer when they do their writing retreat, uh, I'm going to capture some video. I can't play audio for you, but it's amazing to watch them work because everything they just said is totally true. They can't... They, they will back and forth like, oh, that, that idea you came up with about Billy. And he'll be like, no, it's your idea. Well, whatever. And then it'll just move on. And then, you know, Scott can say something like, should we kill Billy? And, and Rob will be like, nah. And that's the end of the, the conversation. That's it. Because they have such a, a, a good working relationship and such a long history as friends that that's enough. There's need, no need for explanation. So I promise you guys I'm going to try and get some video of that to show you after next summer's video retreat. Just you know how what we need is like... Up. Four cameras time lapse to show the entire day because it's funny. You'll see Scott camped in exactly the same spot for 12 hours, and then you will see me. I am in like every room. I'm like, okay, I gotta get out while we're talking about this. I gotta walk down to that room. I gotta walk to the kitchen. I gotta walk around this island. I've got to be around what I'm thinking. I'm walking. What Scott's thinking, he's sitting. It's and uh, I will also say that there is um. Uh, that is the only time, the only writing week where Scott sits in the same place and focuses for 10 hours a day. Uh, and I think that is also the joy of, of your lifelong relationship and friendship and your respect for each other's writing minds and brains and stuff like that. So I will ask another question. We can uh, stay a little bit late or I can add these to next week. If you guys have the time, Rob, you, got, you got time to go a half hour longer, man? I'm, I'm fine staying a little longer, absolutely. Okay. Terrific. So uh, my next question. Hey, what, a question for you, hey. When you ask hey. this question, could you bring up a scotch after asking this question? That's a question I'm asking. Of course, like, of course oh, we, we can stay late as long as there's more alcohol involved. I'll see if I can get my housemate to bring me another drink. Oh, shit. Okay, Scott, Sean Dyer asked another great question, which is, 
a little more specifically Scott, but um, just like I mentioned, Rob has known Scott forever. Uh, so if you have uh, any opinions to uh, he said, what lessons learned over the course of Scott's career went into the sauce when you wrote Slay? And was the approach any significantly different from the first podcast version of Nocturnal? So I know, Scott, you have to answer the Nocturnal part of it. But um, what I wanted to sort of add and see if Rob could answer is over the last three writing retreats, the last three years, have you seen an evolution? You're, you're asking Rob that? Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. Ahead, it's in Scott's approach. I mean, Scott's oh. ability to kind of whatever, focus it, learn to co-write, that kind of thing. It's interesting, even during the last question, when you were saying this is rare for Scott to stay this focused for this long, and then Scott, your you know ADHD story about the you know ninety eight minutes spent on the colors of a, an imaginary football team, it's odd, and I don't know what it is, Scott, but we are kind of constantly speaking, and we're breaking the tension, and we're letting each other's minds race in different directions, and so. Anytime we're sitting there for these long chunks of times, it never really feels like as long as an amount of time no. as it could be. So um, I, I guess I'm at a disadvantage because I've never seen your standard writing procedure. Um, I've only seen it the three summers we worked together. And what's that first that first week of that first summer of writing our first screenplay? Mm-hmm. That we were about halfway through this week, and we're just like, you know what? This is fucking working. Like this, this is working really, really well. And Eddie even pointed out, she's just like, yeah, you guys, even when you disagree, you do it in a very constructive way. And so that's the only thing I've ever seen of your writing process, Scott. So I, I think you need yeah, Rob, to talk about what what your standard process is like, and if it is different at all when you and I are collaborating. Well, um, I can say uh, when Rob's not around, basically the writing process is a shit show. I can all of a sudden, like, I'll, I'll, I'll get into it. And like today, going preparing the slave final draft to pass on to Big John, um, that was, I think, five hours went by. And I sort of knew there was other stuff I was scheduled to do, but ignored all of it until A had to come up and be like, I think you have an ad read you have to do and it's due in an hour. It's like, oh yeah, yeah, that's fucking right. That's fucking right. And it's on my calendar. There are alerts popping up. All of that shit just, just sort of goes away. But a lot of the time I'm distracted by stuff online, I'm distracted by email, I'm distracted by all the projects I want to do I can't get to. And it's um, very difficult to get any writing done at all. So sometimes the daily 2000 word allotment can take uh, sometimes it can take an hour. I just blast through everything. I'm good. Great. And I'll keep growing. Other times the, the 2000 word allotment can take 12 hours. Uh, and then, but what's different because I don't have any co-creators, right? I bounce stuff off of a every now and then, but I sort of know where all these individual stories are going. When I'm working on something with Rob, it's very, very different. Cause like I said, we have been telling stories to each other for mm-hmm. 35 years. So if I have a great, a lot of times I'll say it like this. I can get this awesome idea, figure out the story's going literally with text day. Like we're going to be millionaires and fucking, the, and then eight hours later, be like, ah, fuck this shit doesn't work. And I've lost the whole day. <laughs> so uh, when writing with Rob, finding out shit doesn't work happens in about 30 seconds to a minute. And um, it's just, we've known each other song. There's zero ego involved in yeah. all of this. I don't, we don't, it's not Rob's answer. It's not my answer. It's the right answer. That's what we get. 
And um, I've never worked with anybody who can do that except Rob. Everybody else seemed like I walk around on eggshells with other creators. I'm like, boy, that's really cool. But if you thought about this and people can get their asses can get chapped in a fucking hurry, but Rob doesn't give a shit. All Rob cares about is we just, it's math kind of. It's like, yeah, that, uh, that equation, that's better than the other equation. We just keep going. And then plus I, I use a really good ass moisturizer. So uh, the trap thing is not a problem yep. at all. Hold on. I got a little yeah. here. Follow that one up. A. Yeah. Hey, we're, <laughs> So I do want to specifically go back for you, Scott, um, and I want you to answer uh, Sean's second question, which was, was your approach significantly different from the first podcast version of Nocturnal, which you also wrote to produce? Um, I would say there's definitely some similarities in there, but um, I had a better vision of where I wanted Nocturnal to go, I think, and... Nocturnal went off the rails. No, you know what? I, I think Sean's a, a big, a big time fan, categorical knowledge in my work. And I think he's very perceptive. I think they're very, very similar, but it wasn't just, it's not me saying that I got that. I got emails and, and tweet and tweets and things from fans are like, this is awesome. This feels like nocturnal back in the day. So apparently a large portion of the fan base just loves to fly without a net. They're like, Ozzy and Org is way out of this one. So I think they wound up being very similar. But these are the only two things I've ever done that I've approached like this. Writing as I go, it's Nocturnal and Slay. So I think they wound up being very similar. I want to talk about, Scott, and I want to give you some props for this. So Scott figured out by reading the first, you know, 17 chapters before I started helping him work on this book. And he knew, like, I have my reading pace and doing these characters and the way I've written this, I have this many words that I know is a 10 to 15 minute chapter. And so when we were putting together, you know, how book two is going to be and all the way through book three, we've gotten this around. He would say, okay, I need to use half of this chapter. This is X number of words. Can we get everything said in that number of words? So he is even self editing to the point where he's just like, I've got to make sure I am so streamlining what I'm writing here. It can fit into 1,350 words. And if I can do that, then I know the chapters won't be too long. Now, you will notice the last few chapters in the epilogue were much longer when in the slay, you know, when Scott was reading it live than the earlier were, because it was just like, we want to get this done. Let's just make some mega-sized chapters and, and get it all done, but... The way Scott did it and the way we've already broken down, literally, the number of words we're going to use in each chapter about each thing is already broken down for Scott when he writes it. That helps you keep on track. And it's just the fact that you were able to recognize that and figure it out. And Scott Sigler, do the math that made it work. You deserve you deserve applause for that, my friend. Well Thank played. You. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Uh, great one in the chat room. I'll pop to you for one sec. Sorry, a uh, D79 says, would you rather fight one Jim Butcher-sized chicken or 100 chicken-sized Jim Butchers? I was on a panel of Jim Butcher two days ago. It was awesome to see the guy. He's uh, We've met a couple times in the con circuit, and he doesn't remember me that well, but Jim Butcher was... Uh, one of the influences on the story, the Harry Dresden files and Jim Butcher has actually has a mathematical system to writing. I'm going to pertaining to what Rob was just saying. We're going to have an action adventure, an action sequence of this much, then a recovery of this much, then an action of this much. And there's a blog post out there. If you guys are aspiring writers, I highly recommend you look it up like, like Jim Butcher system or formula or something like that. So 
I would rather fight one, what was the question? One Jim Butcher-sized chicken. I would rather fight one Jim Butcher-sized chicken because you only got to kill him once and then you get to eat for a long goddamn time. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. Hey, next question. Did, did you all see the size of that chicken? There's your film reference. This is how slang gets written. This is how slang gets written. Like, we'll be talking, talking, somebody drop a movie line. That's going in. That's going like in. We're, like, putting, no, we're putting that chicken reference in. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is actually my favorite, favorite off-the-cuff question from somebody new. new. Ryan Lloyd wrote in and asked, how much of this ending of this fucking insane story did you know when you started writing? This story feels like improv, but I can't imagine the ending just fell into place. You fuckers are crazy. Well, <laughs> let, let me jump in here. Billy was supposed to appear in one chapter and then die. So the fact that he's in 33 of the 37 chapters tells you a little bit about how the storyline might have changed just a little bit as we went along. <laughs> well, this is uh, the the fun of this for me is, as I mentioned, I write incredibly detailed outlines for the the bigger novels, and because everything everything to me, if you guys are going to spend your time and money on something that I made, and even if you get it for free, you're still spending your time, and you can't get your time back. Even if you're going to do that, uh, it, you know, it has to be right, and it has to have that moment when you get to the end of the story, where I, I always call it a satanic Seinfeld episode, where everything everything comes together at the end. All the stuff you've seen, there's a reason for it. And if I do it right, then you actually want to fucking go back and reread it. You know, it's like, it's like the sixth sense. You want to go back and like, oh fuck, he was telegraphing this the whole way and I just missed it. That's the fun game of reading a solo Scott Sigler novel. This is 
much more like, oh shit, that fucking character turned out a lot cooler than I thought. Can we work this bitch in later on? It's it's much more improv is the right word for it. It's it's I mm-hmm. guess you would call it um structured self-organizing improv, if you want to get a crazy term for it right there. Oops. Uh okay, A, did I answer the question? You did. I have. We're going to do a couple. We only have a few more left. Okay. I, I lied when I said 75. Oh, well, shit. All right. Yeah, yeah but we have one, two, three, four, five questions left from my list. Well, they better all be freaking 15 parters. <laughs> See, that's, that's called math, Scott, by the way. <laughs> uh, the and, first... and I got to pause for one second. You know, we're talking about movie references getting dropped in all the time. And uh, I got to give a shout out to Jen Hawthorne in the in the in the comment, she goes, Billy's tough. He's a harbor chick. All right, go ahead, A. Hey. Um, I have one, I have a, one, one question, question fi- rapid fire for you, uh, Scott, just, just you, Scott. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, AJ Mack asks, is Lincoln related to the hippo? No. Next question. Great. great. Um, now, this is, I think, for both of you, uh, Jason Bennett asked, do you know exactly what Lumencia looks like? Will we get to see more of that? And how about the Bastion? Uh, Rob, take it. I love this because this is a conversation that Scott and I had. We'd be in the middle of writing something and you're like, you know what we need? A wharf. Well, you know what's really cool? Nobody knows what the fuck Lumencia works with. And guess what? Look, there's a wharf now. So it has grown. It has changed. Once we set something down in it, it's there. It's not moving. It's not changing. It can be referenced again. But that's the nice thing about creating this world as we go. We didn't go all J.R.R. Tolkien and draw the whole map before we started writing. That map changed just in book one about 48 times. So, um, yeah, Scott and I know exactly what Lumencia looks like. 100%. Whatever the hell we need until it looks like. That's what it looks like. It's uh, categorical knowledge. It's uh, engraved in my brain. and uh, <laughs> But you know what? Uh, the times are tough. The budget's not so big. You know, we don't got the money. So if the fan maps of Lumencia, we'll review them and look at them. It'll be fine. But you're not getting wild. We'll tell you what, though. I, going through the preparing the final draft to send a big John and Rob today, I must have added 30 plus pages to Siglerpedia. So uh, siglerpedia.scottsigler.com. We're having a little bit of trouble with it right now on certain browsers. It's not working. We don't know why, but um, Lumencia, the Lumencia leopards and the fat. Oh shit. I wonder if I should share this. Okay. So um, I'll share you this. Have to now. <laughs> I'll share this. So there was a grocery store chain called Carney's in the story. But I've already got a Carney character because apparently, according to asshole Big John Viscara, who has a Siglerpedia page on Billy, apparently is a popular name in the Siglerverse. And I found this fucking page today that I don't know how long he's fucking had it. There's eight Billies that I fucking read this guy. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, fuck you. And so now, so then, uh, so I couldn't have another Carney because we have a Carney in the detective. Uh, so now the grocery store chain is no longer Carney's grocery store chain. It's Frau Munda's groceries. And, uh, you know. Do they, they sell, sell cheese there? They Thank you, Rob. They do. Oh, see, 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 see,
In fact, they sell a lot of German cheese, Rob. It's the craziest thing. I don't know what happens. Really, really amazing. So Franz to be a a softer, more pungent cheese, I believe. <laughs> Baby, that's not me. You get mad at Rob. You like Rob. You can't fuck get mad at me. I love you beyond measure, the both of you, and fuck you both. Uh-huh. Now, he also did ask about the Bastion. Oh, yeah. And I'm telling you, Scott and I, Scott had this overall arching idea. We have put so many layers and details and like one of those happy accidents about how Rick Satores our team. You are going to learn so, so much so about good. Bastion over the next few books. And it is, it's pretty fucking awesome. If I do say so myself. I mean, honestly, not to toot our own horn, but I would be fucking every week. I, whatever, whatever day Netflix releases an episode of this shit, I would be fucking in front of that TV with a big bucket of popcorn because this for something that started out completely organic, writing off the top of my ass, the thread work, if you will, that goes into this to bring it to a conclusion in season five is basically it's everything Rob and I have ever wanted to watch mm-hmm. as fans. We want continuity. We want character development. We want to see things all come to a logical yet surprising conclusion and fucking Slay has it all, man. This is just, it's just fucking so good. We're so excited. And Scott, correct me if I'm wrong, but when you started writing this, you didn't envision this long overreaching. You thought this would be kind of a one shot, uh, one novel, maybe if it turns into something great, but it wasn't the idea of how every reference is going to be re-referenced wasn't necessarily what you had planned, right? I figured there would be multiple seasons because, it, again, the whole point of this was... Let's come up with some entertaining shit that's factoring in the things I enjoy watching right now that will um, keep the podcast going until we get to GFL book seven, until we get to some of the things that are going to take a year and a half to podcast in the primary feed. So I, I, we kept, I kept it open-ended. I assume there'd be a Slay season one, two, three, because that's the business side of the podcasting part. Fiction podcasting's mm-hmm. in resurgence right now, and the big fiction podcasts they do multiple seasons, season one, season two, season three, et cetera. So I set Slay up to have multiple seasons, but I, I did not, most of the, this isn't a dig on anybody else's storytelling because it's different than mine, but most of the podcast, the horror podcast that I've listened to are much more vignettes and open-ended and they are not a very detailed through line through multiple seasons. It's a collection of short stories that happen to be sort of in the same area. And Rob, Rob listened to a bunch of these too, mm-hmm. uh, to where we were going to, some of them do have a single season, very detailed through line. But if you're thinking about three, four seasons, it's, it's a bit, it's a bit of a slapdash. It's a twilight zone, basically the twilight zone, awesome episodes that are sort of connected, but not really. And not so that is what I originally set slay up to be. And then the the storytelling style took over and Rob's influence took over and now we've got this shit nailed down for five seasons. It's tight. We are, we we are, are pretty, pretty happy, happy tight. with it. Let it's us fucking tell. tight. So hopefully no other characters that we haven't written yet come up and surprise us and demand more red carpet time. But who fucking knows? Who fucking knows? Next question, eh? All right, we have three remaining questions. One, I am going to answer myself because that's the easiest thing to do. Brian Kane, my dear friend, uh, he asked, "Will the with the audio for the Slay audiobook coming from Sigler in Place sessions, 
Would this be the first audiobook recorded in front of a live studio audience? I'm going to say for us, 100% that's the case. Yeah. That is true. This is the first time we've done that. I did a little looking when I got this um, this uh, question, and he specifically says audiobooks. And I can't find an audiobook of any length that was uh, created in front of a live studio audience. I will say lots of live full cast audio dramas are recorded in front of an audience and lots of short stories, which are mostly nonfiction and personal anecdotes on Audible are recorded in front of an audience. But for us, this would be the first one. I'll also say that decision ultimately belongs to Scott and our our, our dear friend and audio engineer, Steve Rickyberg, who's in the chat room on Facebook. Uh, I think it's going to be a hybrid for us because I do think that there's going to be planes going overhead here and there or things that we need to fix. So this will be about a 75% uh, in front of a live audience is my guess, maybe 85%. I think it's more like 85, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's that's, that's the, the answer to that one. one. I have two more questions. They are... Hold oh, on, oh, 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 I would like to point out, Scott, we did forget to do on this very special episode of Slay. We did, we did, we forgot to do that. Any, so it, any of you, any of you 80s kids know what that's all about. This very, a very special episode of Family Ties. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah. We're going to, you know what, Rob, actually, I think we got a little bit of wiggle room. We got to find a way to have them actually talk about, is this a very special episode? Cause uh, that's, that's not bad. Very okay. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. A, go ahead. So uh, this, these next two questions, I think, are answerable by both of you. I'll ask the first one is from Leslie Basinger, and she asked, is any character in Slay for either one of you autobiographical in full or in part? Uh, I'll start with that, Rob. I, I think I'm a, I'm a small guy. I'm, you know, it, I'm probably close to the heaviest I've ever weighed right now in about a buck 60. I did perk up to 180 at one point, but it wasn't a good 180. I'm not going to lie to you guys. Um, you know, so so uh, there is a, some people call it the Napoleonic complex, but that is more of a control complex and fighting against your diminutive stature by basically being a fucking asshole and trying to control other people. And um, that is not the case for a lot of us, we lads. It is more, you know, wouldn't it be fucking great if there was something we could do to compete at a higher level, so to speak. So I think I, I love the people I did. I really identify with a lot of characters in this shit. I identify with Magda. I identify with Lincoln because there are areas of my life where I have a significant amount of power and it's relatively uncontrolled. So that's where I identify with Lincoln. And then there are areas in my life where it's more like Billy, like Billy's a fucking good dude. Like the, at the end of the day, Billy is a good dude who's put in a situation where he can't compete. So this goes back to my football days. So I identify with Billy. I had all the brains, all the, all the knowledge. I didn't have fucking coordination, speed or size. So I was never going to play football. Now here comes Billy. So this is a little bit of fantasy fulfillment, right? This is the hero's, the hero's journey. The, the, uh, I forget the name, the name of the book, the story has been told a thousand times. Billy is the, the runt of the litter. Billy is the guy who he's, he's Luke Skywalker. He's the farmer. And all of a sudden he, this is a spoiler. Billy is coming into some significant serious power, a little bit of which you saw at the end of book one. And, 
the power that really manifested for Billy was when you actually get into a serious fucking fight, if you are the person who hits the hardest hits first and, 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 and doesn't, doesn't shy away from that, you can win fights against people you should not even be in the same room with. So that's a little bit of Billy identifying with Billy from that regard. So I think I identify most with, uh, with Lincoln and Billy and being a dog lover. I love dragon Rob. How about you? Um, I think it's more as Leslie talked about parts of the characters. It's the fact that even when the shit is crashing down around them, they can still be self-referential. They can still do movie quotes. They can still reference back to something that happened a long time ago and yet still somehow managed to keep their shit together. And that's, you know, that's Billy, that's, that's Link, that's, you know, that's Trick. Uh, I mean, I might identify as much with Shitbird. Hey, I'll do this as long as you feed me, kind of thing. So I mean, I can, I can relate a bit to that as well. But uh, I think it's, I think it's no, you guys. More... That's, that's a lifetime with Rob's. Like, if we're gonna go do this, we're we gonna go eat after. Yes, okay, then I'll go. <laughs> then, I, then I'm in. Then I'm in. But uh, I, I, I think it's more that. A lot of our personalities and our interactions are based around the pop culture that we have consumed. And that's what so many of these characters, which is probably why so many of them seem quite relatable, not only to us, but to a lot of you as well. Lovely. Baby girl, we got any, any more? We do. We have one more question. I think this is answerable by both of you. Um, it's... My, my it's it's, it's my, my second, second favorite, favorite question, uh, weird question, question of the evening. evening. I mentioned the other one. Uh, Brandon Saint asked, "All right, do you think it's possible to write into a in sorry to write a romantic subplot into a horror slash fantasy slash comedy question mark? And if so, will we see that in later books? I mean, of course, other than Dragon and Billy." Uh, okay. That was pretty romantic. I'm just saying. Well, and I want to say, like, like I, I do think that that, that was a genuine question. I, I that like I, I would listen, I would modify listen. it a little to say like you have this slapstick. You guys created this slapstick, also movie referential, also horrific, also really touching story in a lot of ways. And it's a, it's an interesting question. If there's a, a little bit, I actually think. It already exists in some ways with Magda and Link, but some kind of bigger, stronger love bond. I think it's a lovely question. There's, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna touch this on a couple of different levels. Number one, I am going to tell everyone listening right now: don't fucking second guess me. I know what the fuck I'm talking about. I'm writing this shit. Magda and Lincoln are not ever going to be a romantic couple. Yeah. Because you have just because you have a woman and a man in a story does not mean they're eventually going to develop sexual feelings toward each other. That's not how fucking, that is not how fucking true ride or die friendship works. Now you can have, you can have ride or die friendships that wind up being sexually oriented, of course. But these two are, when Rob and I start to get into the backstory of what happened to Lincoln and Magda, they, they have gone through some fucking shit together. They, if they were going to bone, they would have done it a long time ago. That's not going to happen. But what we do, there's romance coming that you guys haven't seen yet. And there's a bit that Rob and I haven't quite figured out yet. But the key romance in this right now is fucking Billy and Dragon. It is, you know, when you, if you are a pet owner and you 
absolutely fucking adore that animal that can't wait to see you every time you step through the door. Dragon is never going to ask Billy if Billy got his homework done. Dragon is never going to say, Billy, did you bring any money this week? Because we're hard up for it. All Dragon thinks is, fuck, Billy's in the room. Oh, shit. And run around and go fucking crazy. So Dragon and Billy is absolutely a love affair. And you guys will see more of that. I will, I will say, say before, before I want, Rob, I want, I want your answer to, but that's exactly what I was talking about. Like, I, I know that the question from Brandon was specifically romance, but this true love that exists beyond reason happens a lot. And it, it's, it's sometimes romance. It's sometimes not romance. And I would love to hear some of that from you too, Rob. Yeah, I, I will say without giving out any spoilers or anything, I mean, we are going to be showing some very, you know, intense moments in all of these characters' lives. And that's part of what happens with people. People romantically move in and out of your life, and yep. sometimes things slow burn over time or whatever it's going to be. So, yeah, I think you absolutely can do that. You can't force it. Um, and Scott and I had specific conversations about the man and woman working together we don't want to go into the cliche. As many cliches as we will use, we're not going to go into the cliche of them becoming romantically involved. So just like Scott said, the, the, the Magdalene thing is two equals who feed off of each other and absolutely love each other in a 100% non-sexual way, and that is going to remain the same. But we will have more of that. We have five books that we're going to work with, so you will see more of these characters coming into their own, new characters coming in, old characters coming back, that kind of stuff. Yep. That, um, can some of that can absolutely lead into, lead into romance. Well, I can't tell you guys how excited enough, uh, how excited I I can't tell you enough how excited I am for what is coming your way. But if you are a pet owner, you're going to see a whole lot of yourself in this story. And trust me, Billy's 20 and he's never been the big dick on campus before he's going to become the big dick on campus at some point and mm -hmm. shit's going to happen for billy and it's going to be he's going to start realizing how massive he is over these next few books and other people are going to start noticing that as well honey i didn't right. say it baby girl i didn't say none of that that was rob I will point out one part that I really love as we got into the later chapters. Um, you know, I knew what Dragon was, um, but to see the people during the live reads reaction when Dragon revealed her true self, yeah. and then like the the hashtag free dragon movement that was happening, I I just can't tell you how organic that was and how much I enjoyed that you were enjoying what was going on with this little puppy that just happens to be a giant Chinese dragon. Well done. Yep. Loved that. I loved that you all loved that so much. Yeah, that was uh, the the way the way the end of this. Uh, the the two big things that have resonated with Rob and I are um, the amount of people are just like uh, you. You all knew, of course. We tell a his fucking name is Dragon. His fucking guys, name was Dragon. Dragon. All right, you guys, you guys know some shit's gonna fucking go down with this tiny little long haired dachshund, and all of you being so excited, waiting for Dragon to have her moment, was straight fucking career magic. Like I've done mm -hmm. a lot of cool shit in my career and I'm very happy where I am this is the best job in the world. And I'm delighted to have it. And, but that shit is fucking just like serving me a giant banana split. And I'm just fucking eating it. Like, this is so good. I'm just getting it. It was fantastic. And, and then when dragon delivered, you guys got what you wanted out of that. It was super fun. 
And the fact that you were so patient, Scott, that you waited kind of as late as you could for that reveal. Well done, yep. sir. Yep. It's going to be great. Last so question. I would say the last thing I'll say here is Steve Rickyberg of the Iceberg just mentioned in the Facebook chat room. She was under our noses the whole time. And I think that's true. After that, I'll say congratulations to both of you. This was an epic ride. I just like I did in 2007, I got to experience it as a normal junkie, so to speak. Like, I had a few questions, but because Rob and Scott were working with each other, you guys were working with each other, I got to experience the story organically just like everybody else. And so I want to say a thousand kudos. It's so much fun. It's special. There's really hardcore true moments that, you know, you don't expect in a story that has sex notes. <laughs> uh, and you did it and it's beautiful and i cannot wait to see what you guys do next i am so proud of both of you and congratulations to you all thanks babe. thank you Kay. that was awesome and i will say last uh we're done for the day it is 7 27 i think i'm going to uh end my zoom and run upstairs and then rob if you want to either stay on or while i'm running upstairs then we're just sign off that's all we have left are we gonna have another q a next week or do you go through all we are we're definitely gonna have another q a next week we will answer if you have if you guys have more slay questions you should go ahead and send them in for sure um we do have a bunch of sigliverse questions if you have any questions about scott sigler the siglers the sigliverse rob Email those in. I'm not info sure. At uh, info at empty set. In, info at empty set. Com is the best, 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 best way for you to, to reach us. And uh, I think most of the questions next week are probably not Rob centric. Yeah. Um, so, so I think that we'll see, see a, if that changes between next week and you think there's value in me coming back on, I will do that again. But if there are more general Sigliverse questions, then I will. Uh, I will bow out and uh, play with my dragon. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm headed up upstairs. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Rob. Is she, is she, is she coming, coming up to do the kiss off? Is that what's yeah, going on? she's coming to do the kiss off, which means I will now give you a kiss off, my brother. Right. And uh, we will see you. Uh, we'll be working on this soon. Susan, I don't know when. All right. Very soon. Sounds great. Love, Love you all. Later. All of you junkies, thank you for being so supportive through this whole process. Um, you're the best. There's my kiss off. Bye, everybody. Good day, sir. Okay. Uh, let's go back to Maine. All we're going to do. Hold on. Let me just get rid of this. Get rid of this. Get rid of this. Uh, boom. Hello, darling. How are you? I'm good. How are you? This was, uh, honestly one of the fucking most fun episodes ever. I just, I it is such a fun fucking story. It's so, so fun. And, uh, thank you guys all for tuning in for this. We had a whole giant crowd for this. It was really great. Really enjoy it. And, uh, uh the last thing I'll say, and I'll be done with it is if, if you give Rob and I your ears and your brain, for all five books, you're going to fucking remember this story and you're going to enjoy it quite a lot. So thank you for tuning in. Appreciate you. So until then, next week, you send in any questions you have related to anything Sigler. I'll remind you, Scott doesn't necessarily answer every question, um, but you're you're allowed to ask anything you want and he'll deflect if he can't tell you. Uh, so that's next week. Before next week, remember that there's a junkie happy hour 
on Saturday night, and I'll be there for a little while, and Steve will be there for a very long while because he's awesome. And uh, other than that, it is time for us to sign off. Thank you for staying with us this whole time. Um, we will yep. be back. We will be back. Uh, let's get this straight right here. We'll be back Wednesday, September 13th, for a Slay Q&A Part 2, although mm-hmm. apparently that will be more of a Siglerverse Q&A. And Rob may or may not be back. Depends on what A decides. Yeah. Until then, we want you to stay smart. We still need you to stay science, you guys. And for the love of science, people getting sick all over the place. We were uh, people getting sick with COVID at DragonCon. There's a current wave. It doesn't look like that particularly life-threatening to most people. Mm-hmm. But there is a new new wave of COVID going around. It's much more virulent, but not quite as intense. Is that we correct, personally, Yes, exactly. We personally know eight people actively currently right now in our own lives with covid so it's be careful out there you don't want to get this sickness even hey, if hey, hey, hey let's be careful out there <laughs> uh preposterous hippopotamus thank you for sharing your website it's beautiful you're you're absolutely a gorgeous gorgeous talent with your jewelry making Fabulous. i'm so glad that you sent it yeah. preposterous hippopotamus throw me a fucking email on the slide not to her to me i, I got to fucking find week. gifts to shit. i asked for it last listen week. don't talk don't contradict me Okay. Yeah. For the love of science. Oh, uh, for the love. And for the love of science, stay informed. You may now all kiss off into the sky. Love we you, are Robbie. about done. And ready, baby? Mm-hmm. Ha, have been listening to Slay, created and read by Scott Sigler. Copyright 2023, Empty Set Entertainment. For more information on the author and more books, visit scottsigler.com. Theme music is the song They're Watching Me by the band Superweapon. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the roll of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is now what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts.